Welcome to this episode of Pen to Paper Press Podcast. I'm Cindy Coaches. I enjoy spending time with best-selling authors, writers, editors, publishers, and the creative souls to talk about the writing process and developing our stories to completing our works of art. Each episode is an opportunity for us to explore mindsets, pearls of wisdom, and the experiences that began our journey as a writer from the moment we put pen to paper. In this episode, this very unique episode, I am speaking with Cornelia Gremlin and Barbara Mitchell. They have a unique partnership that began when they wrote the big book of HR. Since then, they have written the Essential Workplace Conflict Handbook, the Conflict Resolution Phrase Book, the award-winning The Manager's Answer Book, and their latest book, they did what? Unbelievable Tales from the Workplace. Welcome. I am so grateful to have both of you here. Thank you. Yes, so welcome. We, we appreciate the opportunity to talk with you, Cindy. Oh, you're yep. so welcome. Looking forward to it. All righty. So real quick, so that people can pick up your voices and know who's speaking. Barbara, go ahead and uh, tell us a little bit about your background and, and what got you into, well, writing books on HR. <laughs> well, thanks, Cindy. I started uh, in HR after uh, a general business career where I was in finance and operations and marketing and got uh, somebody said you ought to be in HR. And I said, oh, I don't think so. I, and when I got into HR, I realized it was the right place for me. And so I spent most of my HR career with Marriott International and then did a couple of startup companies before going into HR consulting. So I've been doing HR for a long time, always wanted to be a writer. I had uh, my bucket list. Uh, number two on my list was to, uh, to publish a book. Number one was to own my own company, which I did. So this was a lifetime dream. So that's a little bit about me and how I got into writing. All right. Thank you. That's interesting. I have a friend who, well, later in her years, realized that HR was where she wanted to spend her time. And she got a master's degree in it. To me, it felt like no time at all. She just, she dove in. She, it's a passion. And I'm assuming the, <laughs> it's a passion for you as well, Cornelia. Yes, yes, it was. And in fact, it was interesting because I kind of got into HR um, the same way Barbara did, almost not directly. I hadn't, hadn't really thought about it. I went back to college um, after I'd gotten a, a two-year degree and worked in the legal field for a couple of years and then had an opportunity to join a local firm um, and, you know, in, in their HR department. And uh, it was interesting because I was there about six months and had had a chance to do a number of different things. And then uh, my assignment was up and I found myself, you know, looking for a job and landed one with a company, um, even though I didn't have a lot of experience yet. Um, but walked into a recruiter's position. And from there, I just ended up finding my way into other areas of, of human resources. You know, and, and, and much like Barbara, it wasn't something I set out to do. But once I did it, I realized, gee, this is, this is a great opportunity. And, and I really, you know, I like the challenges that, that it presented. Um, and, you know, then from there, after a number of, quite a number of years of being in corporate America, like Barbara, I said, really want to try my hand at owning my own business and, and doing consulting. And that's what led me into the world of consulting. And through that journey, Barbara and I met because we lived close to each other and we were in a lot of the same um, professional organizations. And, you know, for, from a friendship developed into this writing partnership and, um, we're still doing it. As, she, as Barbara likes to joke, we still talk to each other after having <laughs> five books together. 
You know, you do have a unique relationship. And, and in the few uh, times that we have spoken, the thing that I find so interesting is how connected you two are. You literally joined the call about the same time. Uh, before I hit the record button, you two were talking about, you know, oh, I almost wore my turquoise necklace. And and it's so funny how, how reflective the two of you are. So is that what really brings that unique partnership and makes it work for both of you? Or what makes it work for the both of you? I think, first of all, I would say it's uh, mutual respect for each other. And I think that's uh, a real key to this whole process of working together, obviously. But also the other thing is we have very, even though we are very close friends and sometimes talk to each other, I don't know how many times a day. Uh, multiple. <laughs> multiple. But we have very different skill sets. And that's a, another key to, I think, a writing partnership. If we did the same things ex exactly the same way, uh, there's no reason to work with a partner. But we uh, respect each other. We like each other. We're friends as well as, as very, very close colleagues who have different skill sets that complement each other. Yeah, and, and, and I would say, you know, one, one of the secrets that, that we learned, I, I think, early on when we started working on the big book of HR, Barbara had actually signed the contract with the publisher. And when they agreed to it, they didn't give her near the amount of time she knew she needed to, to write a big book. And she had asked me if I was interested in joining her. And, you know, as I look through the outline and everything, it was very easy to say, okay, these are the areas that you have more experience. These are the areas that I have more experience in. And we just kind of divided the work down the middle and then got out of each other's way. You know, we, we would check in with each other. We would bounce ideas off of each other. Um, you know, if, if, any, if one of us got stuck someplace, we, you know, we'd certainly turn to each other. But for the most part, you know, we didn't try to override what the other person was doing. Um, and, and it worked very well. And, you know, at, at the end of that first book, one of the things that amazed me is as we, we were both reading each other's chapters, I, to me, it was almost seamless that, you know, even though we have slightly different writing styles, nothing clashed, the voice sounded the same. And it, it, it was really an amazing opportunity to, to say, hey, we can do this, we can work together. So then one question that I have for you, because you mentioned that both of you have different writing styles and you're putting out a book. Um, did you try to mesh your two writing styles into each chapter or did you leave each chapter in the author's voice? I don't think we consciously left it in, a, in one person's voice. What we found was our voices were very, very similar. We did not write differently. Uh, and we also were very fortunate to work with just a local uh, editor that helped with anything that we, it, it didn't sound like it was the same voice. Uh, but I don't think that's ever been a challenge for us. I think it could be for some people, but it was amazing to us how seamlessly that seemed to work. And I wish I could tell you what the secret to making that happen is. I don't know. But <laughs> all I am for just very grateful uh, because that was a concern of ours. We didn't yes. want to put out a book where it was uh, either, you know, a back and forth or two different styles or or having to, to pay an editor to put it into one voice. That was not what we wanted to do. And so we we really were very fortunate that, to make it work this way. Yeah, you know, and I think the other thing we discovered is, you know, even in writing, the big book of HR was probably the most technical book that, that we've written. And we still both have somewhat of a conversational style in the way we present the information. And, you know, I would say with the exception of a couple of the chapters that sort of delved in a little bit more to the legal issues that might have been a tad more stilted, um, everything else just kind of, you know, came together so nicely and and yeah i don't think our voices really clashed anywhere 
throughout the book. That's beautiful because and very unique in the regard that I'm not sure I can't think of one person that I write very you know that I would have that same kind of a partnership with so yes it's truly a blessing and I the the secret is there is no secret because <laughs> it's just a little hard. bit of luck <laughs> <laughs> we and, probably make something up you know we are right yeah, we so, could, yeah uh, if we did future interviews we could <laughs> <laughs> you know the secret is uh-huh. <laughs> yeah we don't yeah <laughs> that's probably one of those rabbit holes we we as creative individuals probably should not go. <laughs> well, I'm just thinking about one more thing as we're kind of betting this around, and that is uh, neither Cornelia nor I take, each, take ourselves very seriously. And we also don't mind being, uh, I don't know, I'm going to use the word correct, that that's not the right word. But critique. Critique, thank you. A suggestion might be you might want to use this word rather than that word. Neither of us get upset about somebody suggesting that to us. And so uh, there are times when we will maybe go back and forth once or twice with something till we come up with what it should be. But very rarely, normally the way it's written is the way it ends up being presented to the publisher. But there, there was one exception to that experience. And <laughs> that was in the last book that we wrote, They Did What? Um, you know, we, we, we started to craft that book right after we finished the big book of HR. And it, it came about as, a, you know, a question that had been posed to me one time about how do you learn how to do employee relations, which is, you know, so focused on employees' behavior. And, you know, we decided, gee, wouldn't that be a cool book to write? Get, get a lot of different scenarios, you know, people's challenges in, in dealing with, with employees and, you know, as we were in the process of collecting all of this great, great, great material and great stories, we then had the challenge of how do we put this together? And we decided we really wanted to put it more in a, a story fashion. So we turned to, to the genre of creative nonfiction. But that created a lot of challenges for us because, you know, now we weren't just writing straight facts and figures. Um, we, you know, we had to learn about writing dialogue. We had to learn about character arc and story arc. And that was a whole different process. And, you know, we still started the same, same way. We decided who would start each chapter, but we would throw, as I kept saying, it was like playing tennis. We kept throwing it over the net back and forth to each other. And, and I think this was really a testament to us. And as Barbara just said, we didn't mind being critiqued because we could sit down and honestly say, eh, this really doesn't work. You know, why don't we try this? And th- there were lots and lots and lots and lots of edits. We worked on that book for years as, as we kept learning more and more about, you know, the craft of writing and, and the craft of being more creative in, in your writing. And that that was a feat that that was, you know, and, and that was the one where, where we'd really have to say, Mm, you know, think, I think we may need to look at this, but you know, I, as I, I, somebody was asking me about it recently and I said, you know, at the end of the day, I couldn't tell you with, with the exception of a couple of great lines that, you know, each of us came up with, I couldn't tell you who wrote what in that book because we kept changing it off back and forth from each other. So that, that, that was a big, that was really a big feat for us and, and a big accomplishment sounds like it that at the end of the day you recognize the words but you don't recognize that that's my words or that's her words yeah so that that is truly a blending (laughs) and and as you stated before I started recording this the two of you share a brain so (laughs) I love that Well, one of the things that uh, when people know us in person, uh, we certainly don't look alike uh, and we don't sound alike, which people are probably noticing on the uh, the, uh, call today. Uh, But we do think alike in in 
95, 98%. I don't know what the number would be. Uh, and so that's the piece that really has worked, but we are, uh, and, and now, you know, we live a couple of thousand miles apart. We used to live a couple of miles apart and that was a little easier for collaboration, but we haven't missed a beat since Cornelia moved away to New Mexico. One of the things, your, your focus on your books is HR. And obviously, that's a lot of technical writing. Is that where more of your strengths are? Since you mentioned, well, Cornelia mentioned that uh, having to learn the creative nonfiction writing, is the technical writing something that has been a strong suit for both of you then? I would say so, uh, although we, I think we both, now that we've had an exposure to the creative nonfiction, we both are interested perhaps in uh, doing more of that or even maybe doing fiction at some point, although that's a, that's a dream of mine for sure. Uh, but tech, uh, the writing that we do for our HR books, uh, pure nonfiction writing, uh, I frequently find myself saying that it's easier, not e it's not easy, but it's er easier because you research and you write, and you research and you write, and you don't create, as Cornelia mentioned earlier, you don't have to create characters, you don't have to create uh, all of the things that fiction asks you to do in order to make a successful story. So uh, to me, it is a, it's a very different way of writing, obviously. Uh, and what, one of the things where, where we are different, if you want to get into some of the ways we're different, is that I am very much, it's not, we both love the research part of it. But I am somebody that will never stop researching. I will, uh, I drive Cornelia crazy. We'll just be honest about this, with not wanting to finish something. Yes, you do. <laughs> we are being honest. Okay, so I drive her crazy because I'm always, yes, but we could add this, or why don't we do this, uh, rather than, okay, and, and she'll say, we have a deadline. Uh, that's why, save it for the next book, becomes a favorite uh, phrase of ours. Uh, so writing nonfiction is, the research is fascinating to me, as well as then the writing comes pretty easy because we've got uh, facts and figures and uh, a real a solid, uh, something to share that it's very, very solid. In the uh, They Did What, our book that is the creative nonfiction, we had to create all of the things we've already talked about, but there was nothing that there was nothing that was had to be exactly the same. We could we could add to it, which we did. We took part of story A and made it part of story B and did all kinds of things like that for a couple of reasons. One of which was so we wouldn't get sued by the people that gave us the stories, which was a pretty good reason to add things to it. But it was, that, that's very different from writing a book like the big book of HR, where you talk about uh, the uh, Americans with Disabilities Act and what it means for an organization. Yeah, and, and, and I would say in, in my HR background, when I was working in, in a corporate role, I, I did do a lot of writing, uh, you know, and, and, and a lot of writing around many of the issues that, that are covered in the big book of HR. So, you know, as Barbara said, that, you know, writing, writing some of that stuff was easy. Um, for me, a lot of it was, I know this, I just want to go research. I want to go to the, you know, the original source, make sure that there isn't anything new, make sure I'm putting, you know, the most up-to-date information. Um, you know, especially around, you know, again, some of the legal and regulatory issues that that we cover in the book. But, you know, but, but even beyond that, you know, I had taught HR classes. So so I, you know, I, I, I was very comfortable with just sort of taking a lot of information and synthesizing it down. Um, and, you know, whether I was doing that through lecture or 
or just you know sitting there and writing it. And and I think that that, that was probably the biggest challenge. I for Barbara was the you know saying the research. To me, I'd want to dig real deep into a subject because I understood it. And then I'd have to sit back and say, wait a minute, you know, you're writing this book for a broader audience and you want to be able to put it, you know, you want to, again, you want it to be conversational, as we said earlier, you don't want to bore people with, you know, a, a lot of very, very technical terms, um, even though there were some places you had to cover a lot of technical terms, but, you know, you tried to do it in a way that that was, um, that was just easy, easy on the reader. And, and I think that that was the challenge. I think that, you know, between us, those were the challenges that, that we had. We, we knew where to go to get the information, but then you had to kind of step back and say, we need to put it out there in a fashion that's going to attract people. So people will buy the book. Right. And the other, the one thing that came up for me when you were speaking is the fact that the two of you have the corporate experience, you have various experiences. So not only is the research a key element, but so is your experience in those roles and, and in the various aspects and in, in communication with the others uh, in your field. And yes, changing the names, the places and, and so forth to protect the innocent or the guilty. <laughs> Definitely the guilty. Yes. <laughs> you know, I, not that I'm in HR. And again, I have my friend who, who, who dove in headfirst and, and ran with it. You know, I, I would be very curious to learn or to read about the unbelievable tales from the workplace, because I've seen some stuff that's kind of like, whoa, what? <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh. And and you two having been in the field, what I've seen is probably just like maybe scratching barely the top of the surface. So <laughs> well, that's one of the reasons we wanted to write this book, uh, the They Did What book. Uh, because we knew that most people have, have a clue the kinds of things that HR people have to deal with on a daily basis. And so we tried to tell stories. And there, we didn't make anything up. Let's just be real clear about that. We did not. Everything we talk about happened either to one of us or to the people that we interviewed. Uh, but we really tried to uh, send a message that HR people on any given day might have to deal with something that is absolutely, totally, that they've never, ever encountered before. And they have to just do it seamlessly. And people tell us all the time, or you know, we, we use the line, too, that we couldn't have made this up. No, I'm sure that there's a lot of it. It's, it's that kind of sits you down and says, makes you say, wow, what just happened? And who did what? And wow. Got it. <laughs> yeah, sometimes reality is, is more interesting than fictional work anyway. So absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Well, I frequently say that this is the book that every HR person has threatened to write <laughs> during his or her career, and we did it. So <laughs> I like that. <laughs> oh, it's kind of like the the oh, there's the saying that careful, careful what you do. I may kill you off in a, you know, in a book or something like that, or don't, don't anger me. I could kill you off slowly in a book, you know, the writer's sword. Um, yeah. The HR sword. <laughs> and, but, but, you know, seriously, you know, people joke about the, you know, the HR sword and, and, you know, what HR does and HR terminates people. And, you know, what, one of the messages we wanted to send across loud and clear is people put themselves into situations sometimes where, and, and it's not HR, but, but it's the management that has to make the decisions that say, you know, th th this person just, you know, has either got to change their evil ways, if you will, or, or, or just it's time to leave the organization because it's just not a good fit. And this kind of behavior just really isn't acceptable in the organization. And, 
you know, and, and that was one of the other things that we hope people, especially the non-HR, the non-management reader, takes from this book is that I didn't realize that all of these things happened and there was a lot more that happens below the surface than, than you know, what, what may be, you know, noticeable to the average employee out there. And, you know, a lot goes into the decision making. Um, you know, it's not, as we said, one of, one of the themes was it's not black and white. You know, there's a lot of shades of gray when, when you're dealing with employee misbehavior. And um, th that, you know, we hope that, that HR people can, can pick this book up and say, hey, hey, this happens in other places too. I thought this just happened in my organization. And gee, I would have handled this this way. Oh, look at this. I wasn't too far off the mark given what, you know, what the policies and the practices are in, in, in my company. So, you know, we hope that, that it's a good learning experience for them and for, for you know, people managers that, you know, you've got you've to confront some of these issues and, you know, confront them when, when you first notice that something may be a little bit off because there's a much better opportunity to correct some of the behavior or, or to get the employee help in some cases. Right, right. So one, what is one of the consistent messages that you're, you've carried through your, your books that you have penned together? Hmm. That's a great question. Yes, it is. Um, I mean, I think I'd start with HR isn't as straightforward as a field as, as people may think it is, you know, pick up the big book of HR and, and, and look at the amount of information in that and, and the amount of information that, you know, an HR person needs to know or a small business owner needs to know because they're dealing with people too. And I would add to that, that our, the books that we've written and you rattled, rattled off the uh, titles uh, in the intro, uh, we've written books on conflict management and also one of our our, our award-winning book, which we love to talk about, and it's called The Manager's Answer Book. And I, th I think it, it kind of capsulizes one of the themes that goes through all of our books, and that is managers, people that have to deal with people issues, and that could be a small business, it could be uh, a director, a VP, whatever, at whatever size organization. Every issue you come across as a manager is probably going to be a little bit different from the last one that you dealt with. But I think some of the common themes that we talk about are managers have to be good listeners. They have to model good behavior so that employees know that they don't want to end up in the, the they did what second edition that we're maybe going to write someday. <laughs> uh, so if managers learn how to listen to their employees, take positive action, model good behavior, and then use good conflict management skills, uh, it, it will make for a much better combination of manager-employee relationship, which is basically what we talk about in all, all of our books. Interesting. And I, you know, again, being someone who's been in the employee seat and not knowing what, I mean, I know what the role of an HR director is, but I don't know the behind the scenes because I'm not trained in that arena and I don't work in that office. You know, I, I, I just never have. I mean, I've had to report things to HR. I know those things. I've had, you know, HR call me up and say, hey, we need you to, you know, complete XYZ forms for XYZ. And um, so me being on the employee si uh, side of things, um, the benefit of, of reading these books, uh, especially the unbelievable tales, you know, they did what? <laughs> I, you know, that would be interesting to get that insight, just to just to get that, that knowledge of behind the scenes. Um, one, another question that I really am curious about and, and the word legal has been brought up a handful of times in a different mm -hmm. aspect. 
But there is the legality of the fact that you two are, are working as a partnership. So, you know, do you guys have an agreement? Um, I'm assuming you have a legal binding agreement. Um, am I correct in that assumption or am I like way off in left field? <laughs> we do not have a formal agreement. Uh, we have uh, never needed one uh, and I don't see us getting to that point. I don't know. If and, you know, I mean, the, the agreement that we do, the agreements that we have, not with each other, but with our publisher, obviously we have, you know, of all, we self-published, they did what? Um, all of the rest of the books, you know, were through a traditional publisher. So, you know, it's, I think we recognize in the beginning, we're in this 50-50. We, we get 50% of, of the proceeds that, you know, of, of any royalties that come out of it. Um, we, you know, we split the responsibilities down the middle 50-50. Um, and, and we're, you know, we're, we're bound by the terms of our contract with the publisher, but but beyond that, I think uh, I mean I'm kind of with Barbara. We've never really we've never really seen the need to do it because we, as you know, as we said earlier, we you know we have a lot of respect for each other's expertise, but we also honor a lot of things like you know meeting deadlines and splitting the work and kind of staying out of each other's way. If, if it's you know I'm not I'm not going to start nosing around her chapters on recruiting, which, you know, which is where she's expert, you know, unless it's to provide a suggestion or, oh, gee, I just saw this interesting article. Let me, you know, let me forward it to you. You may be able to use it in the book. But, um, you know, uh, and, and again, uh, other than if I'm reading through drafts and all, I may say, ah, this doesn't sound clear. Do you mind if I make a suggestion or do you mind if I change it? Or you got a couple of typos here, but but we've, we've pretty much stayed out of each other's way, I think. And, and, and respect the fact that, that we do have different areas of expertise. So what is some wisdom that you would share for somebody who is, I mean, you've already shared some, but what is a foundational bit of advice that you would give to, you know, two writers that are looking to do what you've done, which is, you know, create this this partnership and and work together i i think and we've talked about this a, a, a lot we've had people have asked us questions similar to what you just asked cindy but questions like uh it wasn't a, recently cornelia somebody told you she was going to put a notice up on a bulletin board somewhere looking for a co-author yes yeah, so some, somebody asked me how did you how did you find a co-author author. I, I, I think I need one. And I was like, well, I didn't really, I mean, in one sense, she found me, but it was, we knew each other when we started down this journey. It, it isn't that we just kind of bumped into each other at a writing group and said, oh, let's write a book together. You know, we, <laughs> we, we, we had, we had worked together before through, through some professional organizations, we had, when Barbara had a consulting firm, I did some work for the firm. Um, you know, we collaborated on some other client projects. Uh, a couple of times, I, you know, I had a project come to me and I would bring her in because I, I need her expertise. So, you know, we already had some of that understanding going. So I think from that perspective, we were very, very unique in, in that we, we started from an established base and, we're able to, you know, to move into this, recognizing where each other's strengths and weaknesses were too. I would strongly suggest if anybody is thinking about this, and I would imagine maybe they're thinking about it because they're listening to this podcast, uh, that you start out with getting to know each other as, as, as you can uh, with a lot of conversation uh, about writing style, about what your goals are, but then coming up with some, uh, just some working relationship kinds of things. Uh, I think the biggest one of all is that you honor each other's work. Uh, so that you don't try to rewrite or critique. Uh, while Cornelia frequently will give me great suggestions about things, uh, she's never taken something I've written and rewritten it and done something with it. So kind of how, how you honor each other's 
expertise. Uh, and most of all, it is being able to have some sort of a process. And I suppose since we've written books on conflict, that if we ever had a conflict, we know we pretty much know how to work through it in order to come out the other end still being able to work together. I hope we could do that. And we've never tested that theory. We haven't. <laughs> I, I, hope, I hope we don't ever do it, but we could. I, what, I, one of the, I, just an aside, one of the books that we've written is a, is a book that's 2,000 phrases to use in conflict resolution situations. Uh, so we've got all kinds of ways to get started with resolving conflict. It was one of our fun books to write, especially the last, last two chapters about never say this or always say this in a conflict situation. But getting back to the relationship, I don't, I don't see that it has to be in writing, but you certainly need to talk about it. If we do have a conflict, how are we going to resolve it? Yeah. Uh, if, if something does come up, uh, you know, we've had situations, and they fortunately for us have been minor, but what if in the middle of a deadline on a book, uh, somebody got sick, or uh, we, <laughs> we had a situation that was sort of unique in that we both moved in the middle of a, a very tight deadline on a book, uh, and we figured out a way to make it happen. It wasn't fun, it wasn't easy, but we did it. Uh, and nobody knew pretty much other than the two of us what we were dealing with. So it's the honesty, it is the you know, clarifying what, what your relationship's going to be and how you're going to work it out uh, if and when something comes up that is out of the ordinary. And, and I would say the other thing that I think we've done very well in the beginning, you know, we said we, we should do weekly check-ins. And, and we did that by having a standard meeting at, at a restaurant where we ended up having our own table because the, the one woman that worked there absolutely adored us because we were there every week. And, you know, when, when I moved, we, we kept that up. We have a weekly phone call. And, you know, th there are some weeks that we have tons of things to talk about. Well, sometimes it's just a lot of stuff to talk about because stuff is going on. But, you know, a lot of things to talk about around the work. And, you know, and, and then other weeks, it, you know, we, it may be we've got like about a half an hour of things to talk about. And um, so, so the conversations are shorter. But, but I think that that constant connection, that constant communication is, is what really helps. And, um, you know, if, you just can't do this in a vacuum. You can't, you know, you can't ignore the other person if you're going to get into some kind of a, a relationship like this. Mm hmm. And that when you mentioned the the young lady questioning if she should post it on a bulletin board, look, you know, writer seeking partner, uh, kind of a post. To me, that would set up a, a red flag. Um, in regards to setting yourself up for a potential hazardous situation mm -hmm. um, because like what was mentioned at the very, very beginning of the podcast was respect mm -hmm. and respect is not something that is immediate. Respect is something that is earned. It is something that is a give and take and it's something, you know, yes, it's immediate, but it's, it develops over time and you gain that trust and you you learn where like you two have mentioned uh which is the give and take and the ability to communicate which is uh obviously very clear because for one and 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 i was really wondering how this would work interviewing two people would we be, for one, would I be over talking and stepping on, or excuse me, overstepping and talking on one, you know, over top of one of you, or if the two of you would be, you know, overstepping and, and talking over the other person. And it's really interesting how the three of us have taken our turns. Mm -hmm. And that is very important in that line of communication because we're listening and we're sharing mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. And, you know, yes, that is the role of an HR <laughs> director <laughs> to listen. And that's sort of who we are. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I, to your point, Cindy, I, I would honestly say if someone who's listening to this or uh, at some point listens to this, if you're thinking about this as, as to work with someone that you don't know, that this, it's a new brand new relationship where you may have something where you think you have a complementary skills, but you really don't know. I would say then I think you probably do need some sort of a written down, signed by each of you as to how you're going to operate. We didn't need to do that because we had a unique situation where we really knew each other well already. But I think if I hadn't known Cornelia and I had said to her, help, I've got to write this 90,000 word book in five months. And I thought I was going to get a year to do it. But anyway, uh, if I hadn't known her, then I think I probably would have wanted to have some, okay, you're going to do this and you're going to dividing it up so that it was in writing so that uh, there were, there's no way that we could come back and, uh, and not, and not deliver what we what I had promised. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so if, if it's a new situation or it's someone you don't know, strongly suggest that you, it doesn't have to be with a lawyer or uh, it could be, but it wouldn't have to be. You could do it yourself. Just come up with things that you think would be important. Sign it and just have it. So if you need it, you've got it. Yeah, the clarity. The, it, would, the it wouldn't hurt. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, what I had found interesting that, that day that woman asked me about it, um, I asked her why she thought she needed a co-author. She really didn't know. I mean, she could not articulate it to me. And, and I just thought to myself, whoa, you know, you got to tread very, very carefully. And, 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 and I think I I'd said to her, I would give it some thought if I were you, you know, what is it that that, why is it that you're feeling this? You know, maybe it's just a good editor you need to go and find who can sort of help you shape up what, what it is you're doing. But she, she was really struggling just to explain to me why she thought she needed somebody to help her with this book. And, and yeah, and, and Barbara and I have said many times, I mean, we obviously, we enjoy working together. You know, we've been doing it for a while, but there probably isn't one of these books that of all of them, either one of us could have written any of these books by ourselves if we had had the time and the resources to do it. Um, you know, with, like, like she said, with the first one, the resource of time is really what, what kind of pulled us together. And- um, Or lack of time. Or lack of time, yeah, yeah. It, it, it was really that, that, that and, and you know, and, and then it kind of just, well, you know, we started talking about they did what, and then the uh, our publisher came along with, with another idea, and you know, and always presented it to both of us. It was never like, well, Cornelia, you take this one, and um, it, you know, it, it just it worked well for us. But as Barbara said, we knew each other, and <laughs> we 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 knew we could depend on each other as well. And and you know, that was the other thing I said to this woman, and, and I kind of got the sense she really did need an editor but she didn't want to pay for an editor. And it's like, well, you know, you, you, you got to sort out where you're going with this. And, um, but just don't think that, you know, you can meet somebody, you know, and, and this happened to be at a writer's group meeting. Don't think you're going to be able to just meet somebody here and it's going to be, you know, instant karma and you're going to go off and write together because there is a lot to it. There is. And the, the one thing that kind of came up was the fact that you have to develop that relationship. And you're right. Why is she hesitant and um, of not doing it herself? And why is she looking for that second person? Is mm -hmm. it a self-confident issue? Is that she's looking for somebody to pick up her pieces that she's not able to fulfill? Mm -hmm. And yes, she may have simply needed an editor. And that's one thing that I have found uh, is that you would you would think that people would be grateful to pay an editor 
for what they do, but it seems to be one of those things that, well, I know I can use just, I'll use Grammarly or I'll use one of these, you know, uh, apps on, on, you know, the documents to, to fix yeah. and correct. And what they're not realizing is when you invest in an editor, oh, so much can open up. <laughs> so yeah, I, I was had this conversation just yesterday with someone about the value of a, a good editor. And you know, there are different levels of editors and right. we could go on and on about some of our experiences, but we're not that's not what we're here to talk about. <laughs> uh, but a good editor, I just I just adore those people because Anybody that can make what I write better is worth everything. And I never, ever mind that kind of editing. It's the, uh, the ones that want to rewrite to their own specification. To their own voice. <laughs> or to their own voice, uh, that, that, especially when you're writing nonfiction. And it, it is fact. You can't change facts. But, you know, we, we did, when we first started working on They Did What?, we did identify somebody who helped us. She, she was more, really took the role more of a developmental editor because, you know, we, we had a bunch of chapters written and we were trying to figure out, first of all, is, is, can this get shaped up into to what we were envisioning? And, you know, she was, you know, she, we told her, we don't want line editing at this point. We, you know, we know it's filled with grammatical errors and typos and everything, but she was very helpful in, in, you know, sort of looking at things and saying, you know, this is dragging here. You've got too much backstory here. Um, you know, gave us a lot of good advice, you know, yes, you know, brought some of her own opinions into it. And we said, thank you very much. But, but it was, you know, ha having that level of expertise in the beginning of the process, you know, as, as we progressed through, it really helped us to say, well, wait a minute, are we making the same mistake here as we are starting on a new chapter? And, you know, the, that's a whole different kind of editing. And, you know, I think for us, it was, because we had never ventured into to this kind of a book before, it was very, very helpful. Um, so, and, and that's, you know, that's why I would tell people if, you know, if, if you're, if you're unsure, research some of some of the other resources that are available to you, um, and and also realize that not every editor does the same kind of editing, and you know find the find the editor a good one that that does the kind of work that you need at that point in your project. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Agreed. So. Uh, is there anything that you wanted to share before we wrap up this episode? You know, I think I think the only other thing I would say, you know, what's important in a partnership, um, a lot of times you have deadlines imposed on you, particularly if you're working, um, you know, with a, a, a traditional publisher, but even putting deadlines in place, you know, uh, again, it took us nine years to finish they did what and and we had a lot of interruptions along the way but you know if if we were starting to get into it it would be okay by this date we want to have this much done or you know we want to have these rewrites done and you know and and we held each other accountable to that and and i think that was that was really really important um because it it, it gave us you know just a a good foundation along with everything else that we had Cornelia is being very generous with what she just <laughs> talked about. <because laughs> there is one of us, and it is I, who uh, never gets to a deadline unless I have someone like Cornelia saying, "We've got till Tuesday to get this done." Will you? And I'm, I always meet the deadlines, but I make everybody else around me crazy, and I know that, but. Well, you stop making me crazy at this point. It's, I know she'll meet them, so I just leave her alone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but you do remind me. Mm -hmm. and, and, that's that's a, and that's very public. Uh, I need that, and I acknowledge it, and it works. It's the partnership. There it's you go. Magic. Yeah. It's the magic that makes it work. <laughs> oh, so where can... Where can the listeners find you on the internet? 
the our website is bigbookofhr.com where you can find anything all, at all about us and all of our books and all of the things that we do in addition to the books that we do. Uh, and uh, you can actually order the books uh, for any of the online booksellers as well as we love to promote independent bookstores, perhaps in your your neighborhood. Uh, if you can, if they don't stock our books, ask if they could order it for you. Uh, yeah, we have links on the website to you know to numerous different places. Uh, we have a page for each one of the books, and we just make it easy. If you want the book, go here and. Yeah, and, and we do, you know, we would encourage you to promote the, uh, to support the independent sellers as well. And, and there's, there's links there. Agreed. Agreed. Because it's the independent businesses that, mm-hmm. that's our foundation. That's yep. right. Really is. Yes. And they are our biggest supporters as well as writers. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Because if they didn't support us, they wouldn't be in that business. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> we talk about that a lot. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. we got to support each other. So, because exactly. that's how we're going to get, that's how we're going to get ahead and um, maintain. So, thank you for taking time and hanging out with me here in the quote-unquote virtual studio. <laughs> aka my camper so my my home on wheels my home on wheels so thank you thank you it's been really fun to talk about our partnership hopefully it's helpful to your listeners so thank you you are welcome appreciated the opportunity cindy very grateful for it you are very welcome and you gals take care and thank you Hey there, before we end our time together, I would like to say thank you for your continued support and taking the time to listen to the powerful messages weaved within this conversation. To learn more about Cornelia and Barb, access their website by visiting the show notes for this episode at pentapaperpress.com backslash podcast. To receive future episodes in your inbox, subscribe to the Pen to Paper Press newsletter and subscribe on your favorite podcast application. Take care and until next time, keep your pen to paper and write and understand that your words have power and your story matters. Bye for now.